Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Network, alongside my great friend and co-host, Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, Brent, also a voter for the most prestigious individual honor in all of collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. And Brent, plenty to review as we preview, get ready for week 11 of Southeastern Conference play and some division crowns, some bursts into the SEC championship game on the line, both in Athens and in Lexington, Kentucky. Tell you what, as much as we talk about uh, surprises, uh, the teams of the best rosters are the ones who end up in Atlanta, uh, and that, frankly, would be Alabama and Georgia, not to say that the other schools that don't have great talent, and they do, but uh, that they've got the best coaches and the best rosters, you put all that together, and that's what you've got, but, uh, uh, be, and even beyond that, uh, a uh, a lot at stake going on, and and, and also Trav want to want to add at some as we go along some uh, some coaching rumors and news that that we've heard this week. No doubt about it. Really, in every window on Saturday, there is importance, there is urgency for teams in those games, and we'll get started right there in the noon Eastern slots. With Alabama traveling to Kentucky, the Crimson Tide coming off a huge 42-28 to win over LSU last Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. A game not devoid of controversy after <laughs> Dallas Turner's big hit sent Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, to the sidelines early in the fourth quarter. Alabama once again in the second half, though, Brent. Looks like a team you really don't want to be in a situation with if it comes to closing out games. Uh, well, uh, look, I, I think the most valuable person on that on that Alabama team right now is uh, what Kevin Steele has done with this defense. It's been said a lot this week that with their big four games uh, so far, they've allowed, what, co- combined 13 points. Uh, in the second half, which is really impressive that the, and the players have talked about that. You've talked about that some uh, in your writings and, and podcasts about how uh, they're able to go in and reevaluate what's going on and uh, stick with what's working and get rid of what's not. So, uh, but I, I think there's obvious concern. I do think this is a trap game uh, because of, uh, I mean, it's a it's a noon kick Eastern time. Uh, how it will Alabama be flat after the, uh, the the big win over LSU? And look, it's not like and you and I've talked about this the whole year uh, that Kentucky doesn't have talent. Devin Leary is getting better. Uh, frankly, uh, the Davis kid running back. We know what he did against Florida. Uh, and Robinson, Dwayne Key. Barry and Brown's a, a young kid that I've really liked uh, over the time. So I think Bama wins. Um, but at the, at the same time, Trav, I, I do think that Kentucky's got enough talent and there are enough intangibles here 
uh, to where it certainly could be interesting, uh, at least for a few quarters. Yeah, I said it before. When I think of Mark Stoops and Kentucky teams, I think of Dan Mullen, Mississippi State teams. They're Ooh. similar in terms of what Mullen was able to get done at Mississippi State. Dan Mullen, had he wanted to, I think could have coached at Mississippi State until his retirement. Yeah, you know, he obviously made yeah. the move to Florida. You kind of have to make that move if you're Dan Mullen. I think Mark Stoops is very much in that same spot at Kentucky Wildcats with an eighth straight year of bowl eligibility after the road win, speaking of Mississippi State, at MSU last Saturday night. So it could be a couple of different mindsets that you take into account. For both Alabama, there should be a sense of urgency. You're trying to clinch a berth in the SEC championship game. So whereas I think there is some merit to the trap game narrative, this isn't just another game for Alabama. This is an opportunity to get that thing put to bed before you go to Auburn in a couple weeks. And, you know, you think about Kentucky with bowl eligibility clinched. A couple ways to look at that. Maybe come out playing free and easy and loosen yourselves up to give Alabama your very best shot. Or maybe there's a little bit of a hangover for, for Mississippi State. I mean, excuse me, for Kentucky. I wouldn't expect that given the opponent because, as we know, In this situation, if you're Alabama, you're expecting the very best that your opponent has to give. That's right. Uh, And Devin Leary has uh, frankly improved. He played very well in in the Tennessee game. And, Trev, I phoned about this last night. I know it was a lifetime ago, but in the last Kentucky win in Lexington against Alabama, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you were there. It was on when, the top row. Yeah, night, yeah. At Commonwealth yeah. Stadium. Yeah, that yeah. was a pay-per-view game. You could imagine that, young fans. Yes. You couldn't watch Alabama-Kentucky anywhere other than pay-per-view back in 97. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. and that what, Trav, help me on that. That was Mike Dubose and how mummy was it not? Yes, that was Tim Couch at quarterback for Kentucky, and that was a wild scene in the postgame, one of those goalpost games involving Alabama, oh even without a Gene Stallings or a Nick Saban or a Paul Bear Bryant walking the sideline. But, yeah, as for the game itself, and you talk about this series too, Alabama 38-2-1 in 41 games yes. against uh, Kentucky and it's been rough for Stoops, too. I mean, he's taken three cracks at Alabama during his time, and in that time, Alabama has outscored UK by a combined total of 145 to 16. So <laughs> it's been ugly, too. I'm with you, though. I see this game being different. I think it could probably be more of a grinder. Um, you know, I think for Alabama defensively, it starts with Ray Davis. You know, you yeah. got to do a good job yeah. on him. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, And then off of that, uh, try to disrupt uh, Devin Leary and and do a good job on those wide receivers. And look, if you're the Alabama offense, if you can convert 11 of 14 again on third down like you did last Saturday night Mm -hmm. and not just convert those thirds, Brent, there were, I think, three plays of 20 yards or more for Alabama um, in, in converting those thirds. So it was explosive plays, too. Uh, Alabama on third down against LSU averaged 18 yards per pass attempt and 10.1 yards per rush attempt. Now, a lot of that, again, goes back to Jalen Milrow, and can he sustain it on the road against Kentucky? 
Yeah, and Trav, I'm curious your thoughts, and I know you mentioned this too in your work. Uh, I thought it was important they got Jam Miller involved more, mm-hmm. uh, and and some of these young guys like that uh, I thought were uh, very important too. Now they they are Bama's banged up a bit. Uh, that's gonna that, that, that's something that they've got to uh, like everybody else is working on at this point, but. I just thought it, it was certainly a feather in Bama's camp to get some of these uh, younger guys uh, not only involved, but, but but really making a contribution in the game. Yeah, it's something they've been able to do really in every area of the football team throughout the season. And you said it, it's going to be important probably this week. If Deontay Lawson can't go at inside linebacker and you're trying to deal with Ray Davis, yeah. Jahad Campbell, Tresman Marshall, obviously going to have to step forward and, uh, you think about the secondary potentially without Jalen Key. I think they can be okay back there because they can make some adjustments like they did in the second half of LSU, get Trey Amos on the field at corner opposite Kool-Aid McKinstry, play Terry and Arnold at the slot corner, still have Malachi Moore, Caleb Downs at the safety spots. You can be fine with your nickel, uh, and certainly if you have to play some base against Kentucky's 12 personnel, uh, you can do that as well, but the last time Alabama didn't have Deontay Lawson at inside linebacker, a couple of backs, Woody Marks, yeah. uh, Jeffrey Pittman for state, rushed for over 100 yards on just 16 carries. So um, you, you love to have Lawson, but if you don't, you're right. You've got some guys, even at inside linebacker, that you've been able to get some experience. Also in that noon Eastern window on Saturday, the struggling Commodores of Vanderbilt travel to South Carolina to take on the struggling Gamecocks of SC. And we talked about this last week. It was important, and that was a fight for South Carolina against Jacksonville State because if nothing else this season, you got to be the best Gamecock in college football (laughs) and worried for a while there that it might be Rich Rod and JSU that was deserving of that mantle. That well, and I, I give Richard a lot of credit. They've done a great job with that team, and that, that would have been an incredible win for them. But Xavier Leggett in South Carolina doesn't have enough Xavier Leggett's, do they, Trav? Nobody uh, does. I don't no, think that guy's no. incredible. Uh, he, oh, he really is. But but it and I and I just wonder, uh, Travis, and you and you were up there with a Hawaii game. Uh, Clark Lee, who I like, and I, I think he is trying to do a good job there. Uh, he's not he's not going to get fired, but I'm just wondering, how does that Vandy administration look at this year? Right? Is this a, you know, we've got construction on the stadium and things are in chaos and uh, they haven't been able to find a quarterback the whole year and, and uh, that, that has been a problem. I'm not... I'm not saying it's just necessarily a throwaway year because they can learn something from it, but uh, and, and I don't know how much heat would be on Clark Lee next year, uh, but, but but boy, the the construction on the stadium has has been a, 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 a just about I kind of pictured the same thing on the construction with the football team. Yeah, you just didn't anticipate this on the heels of the finish no. the no. last season because there was palpable. Momentum. I think we can all agree on that no in November of a year ago. Move forward 12 months, and that's just not the case. And as is typically the case, it starts at the quarterback position. I think Vanderbilt obviously felt like it had found its guy 
in Swan behind center, but here we are, maybe due to some injury, maybe due to some ineffectiveness. Uh, we're seeing two or three different quarterbacks, but you said it, even going back to the Hawaii game, and we talked about this after week zero, I just didn't get a lot of juice no. coming from that Vanderbilt no. team, right? I kind of expected at this point in the rebuild, or the build, I guess you could say, under Clark Lee, that there would be some some indication of swagger, of energy, of confidence. And I just didn't get that in that game against Hawaii or coming out of it. So it's really been a season-long thing. And look, we'll see. Maybe this is the week for Vanderbilt. Happened for Arkansas on the road last week against an SEC Eastern Division opponent, getting that first conference win. But, uh, boy, South Carolina, you said it with Leggett. And I, I'm, I never thought. I would turn into a Spencer Rattler fan, yeah. but it seems like every week that becomes more and more the case. And I see yes. these, these mocks and these quarterback rankings for the 2024 NFL draft. And I get it. Drake may Caleb Williams one, two, I understand it. I know there are some other solid to good quarterbacks out there, but man, I, I, I see a pro in Spencer yeah. Rattler when I yeah. watch this guy operate right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he just has not had the offensive line and the weapons around no. him, uh, but he's been incredibly consistent, and he is a gamer. I, I there's absolutely no question about that. Uh, but and, and and listen, the point you made's a good one, and and but but Trav, if Bandy wins this game, how much? How many questions yeah. are going to be thrown at Shane Beamer at that point? Yeah, that's tough for Shane. If Vanderbilt goes into Cola and gets the win, uh, that ramps things up. As we know, things get expedited by a year or two now. Yes. Based on one season. So I think, I still think Beamer's great for South Carolina. I think he's exactly the kind of guy you need in there. Um, but yeah, at some point, you're going to start asking questions if you drop games to the likes of Vanderbilt this time around. 3.30 Eastern on CBS, Saturday afternoon. Boy, Columbia, Missouri. And you told me about this. We talked about this before we went on the podcast today. And kind of the implications of Tennessee, Missouri. You look at the game, both teams with two SEC losses. So for all intents and purposes, out of the SEC Eastern Division race, need some help from an SEC Western Division team this weekend in Athens to hang in there a little bit. But I guess in terms of bowl pecking order and maybe even a New Year's Six slot could be on the line this weekend for these teams? Tell you what, and it's been a long time since that has happened. Uh, Tennessee actually not in New Year's Six since uh, back in 98-99 in Missouri really would be their first time uh, they were in some cotton bowls, but they weren't uh, BCS bowl games back in the day. So, that, yeah, there's no question about that. This is a uh, a big game uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, Joe Milton has been more of a runner as of late and has been successful with that. Um, and uh, Tennessee's uh, front seven on defense continues to uh, – uh, to play well. We also had a Nico siding against UConn, didn't we, Trav? Lama Leva. Yes. They were excited about that. I, I'm curious if you were impressed as I was 
Boy, this Missouri team against Georgia, I mean, it, no doubt Georgia's a better team, but boy, for Luther Burden not to get uh, and go wild in that game, Georgia keyed on him as you figured that, that they would be. Uh, but this Missouri team is really scrappy. They're well coached, <clears throat> like Brady Cook, Schrader at running back. Uh, boy, uh, Eli's going to, if they win this game, Eli Drinkwith is going to get some coach of the year vote. So uh, that there's no doubt there that there's a lot at stake for both these teams for this game. Yeah, I got to give it up to Missouri. More competitive in that game against Georgia that I, than I had anticipated. And I think there's concern this week, right, with Luther Burton and the yes. ankle that he sustained against Georgia. He played through it, came back into the game, played through it. I guess we'll learn more about that as we move closer to kickoff on Saturday afternoon. But, boy, I'll tell you. I like both the primary running backs in this game a lot. Schrader for Missouri, Jalen Wright for Tennessee. And then you also have to account for these quarterbacks, Joe Milton, Brady Cook. They can hurt you with their legs, too. Really can. Yeah, yeah, there's no question about that uh, at all. But, but, uh, and and again, I give Drink with a lot of credit for what he's done. And I'll tell you what, Drink with the thing Drink with did was. And he admitted this at, at SEC Media Days. He said, I'm, I'm going to get my ego out of the way and bring in uh, Kirby Moore here to be the OC. And they've done a good job of that. Trav- Travis, probably a lot of coaches can learn a lesson from that uh, in, in turning the play calling over to somebody else. It's not always easy to do, but no. it's something that, coaches out there that take on both duties might need to consider more. Are you listening, Billy Napier of Florida? We'll see about that. We talk about these coaches, Josh Heupel, man. Like you said earlier, if you're able to stack another bowl game like the Orange Bowl from a year ago, you know, that's that's a nice one-two punch that you're developing now uh, if you're Josh Heupel, head coach of the Tennessee Vols. So, Coming up a little bit later after that Tennessee-Missouri game, 4 o'clock Eastern on SEC Network, Auburn travels to Arkansas, a rejuvenated bunch of hogs. Brent, after that upset of the Florida Gators, Arkansas got off to the quick start. And then when Florida sort of reeled the hogs back in, I started to think, well, here we go again. Going to be a disappointing finish for Arkansas and Sam Pittman. But to their credit, they get the job done. First win in Gainesville for Arkansas in program history. Conversely, Auburn feeling a little better about itself after another SEC win, albeit Vanderbilt, but still go on the road, pick up a fifth win, and now here are the Tigers in position to clinch bowl eligibility. Yeah, and and this is kind of a big game for both these teams, too. And There's not a a tremendous amount at stake, but but there's certainly enough to – watching this game uh kj jefferson was just a behemoth against florida shaking off tacklers and getting into the end zone boy what a difference doesn't it trap when rocket sanders comes back uh and imagine what they would have been all this year peyton thorne is pretty well uh the guy now at auburn there still needs some help uh from their receivers let me tell you what i've heard this week uh, with, with Arkansas, 
is that they're probably going to keep uh, Sam uh, uh, Pittman another year because they frankly just can't afford to fire him. Uh, <clears throat> that's what I've been told by some Arkansas media who are pretty close to that program. Um, and he's probably earned that. This has been a rough year for them. Uh, but look, there's no question they've got to be better on that offensive line by next year. And I'm sure he will uh, hear that. Uh, but that, that was one of the main things I've heard from this week about coaching situations is that Pittman may be back uh, in trap. It is, it is interesting, <clears throat> and Arkansas is not the only school that may not be able to afford to fire a guy. Yeah, with all that chicken money and Walmart, Waltons, and everything else. That's right. But I'll tell you this about Auburn, man. Jarquez Hunter's got it going now. He does. Running the football, and that's not good news. No. For Auburn opponents. Peyton Thorne, good enough throwing it last week. So uh, some balance to that Auburn offense. Again, we'll find out a little bit more as the competition ramps back up, especially in the final week of the regular season. 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. A big one. Number nine, Ole Miss travels to second-ranked Georgia. Ole Miss looking to hang around in the SEC West, going to need some help from either Kentucky and or Auburn, and then take care of business on the road at a place that's been very difficult to get the job done in the Kirby Smart era, especially of late. Lane Kiffin, here he is with his Rebels, ready to make an impact in prime time under the lights of ESPN. Well, this is a real opportunity for Lane uh, and he, of course, he's made it clear in his press conferences, this is not Lane Kiffin and Kirby Smart, uh, who, who are on the Alabama staff, uh, that, uh, it, that, that it's about all the players. Uh, so, uh, I mean, Jackson Dart has played well. Uh, I think he can be uh, fairly consistent. Junkins will be a top target for the Georgia defense, and so will Trey Harris. Boy, I'll tell you one thing, Trav, is anyone grown into that role like Trey Harris has uh, in the job that he has? Uh, but to me, the spotlight on this game is going to be how much is this Ole Miss defense grown uh, under Pete Golding uh, and, and how much are they going to be ready to play for this game? And uh, look, big, big-time injury for Georgia Another starter out, Jameis Dumas Johnson. It's not like they don't have depth, but uh, you keep losing guys, and at some point it kind of creeps up to you uh, after a while. Carson Beck has really kind of settled in <clears throat> in his role. So, yeah, this would be a – could be a wildly entertaining game, uh, and I think Ole Miss is in it for, for a while but I, they, they just don't have the roster, I don't think, to be able to win this game yet. Yeah, a couple quarterbacks in this game that are probably undervalued at this mm-hmm. point, too, and Jackson Dart and Carson Beck for Georgia. I, I, I worry about, for Ole Miss, the ability on defense to sustain up yes. front for four quarters against that Georgia offensive line and that run game. Uh, We continue to see multiple playmakers emerge for Georgia with Brock Bowers out. So if you're going to catch Georgia and you're Ole Miss, this is seemingly the time to do it, too, because from an injury perspective, seems like Ole Miss has held up pretty well 
reminds me in that way of Alabama's visit to Oxford at this very same spot yes. a year ago when Alabama was coming off the LSU loss in Baton Rouge. Ole Miss was pretty much at full health. Uh, it looked like that was going to be the spot for Lane to finally get his win over Nick Saban. It did not happen. We'll see if he's able to get over that kind of hump this Saturday night in Athens. Also in primetime on Saturday night, a hammered, staggering Florida football team travels to Baton Rouge to take on a disappointed bunch of Tigers. Uh, you talk about Florida. We did last week the urgency for for Florida in that game against Arkansas to go ahead and clinch bowl eligibility because, as we did outline, LSU this week at Missouri finished with Florida State in Gainesville. Um, there, there's not a clear path to a six no. win for no. Billy Napier's team, but maybe LSU feels a little bit of the effect. I know there were some concerns about Jaden Daniels' health after the hit he took from Dallas Turner. Sounds like he's going to be good to go. Uh, could be a lot of points in this game, too. When we talk about these two defenses right now, I think the other offense looks at them and goes, yeah, I think we can put some points on these guys. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah there's no doubt about that. I mean, the uh, and I, did, I do a podcast with Shane Matthews, uh, the, the Gator radio analysis, and he, his comment was, uh, yeah, I hear about all this. Uh, in this um, uh, Napier needing an offensive coordinator, and there's a lot to be to that. But 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 Shane's point was where they're really struggling right now is on defense mm-hmm. uh, with the injuries, particularly Austin Armstrong has a lot of problems as a D coordinator. Uh, but but Trav, the other coordinators needed with special teams, uh, and, and and as many people pointed out, that has been an absolute disaster. Uh, frankly, they don't have a special teams coordinator. They've got a player, believe it or not, player. Napier admitted that, Lord, admitted that uh, Saturday night after the game that tells the players when to run on the field. And that they had a Chinese fire drill going on that probably cost them that game in regulation. If that field goes 38 yards instead of 43, yeah. That, that may have made a big difference in that ball game too. I wonder why Napier doesn't get it with that. I mean, I don't. Great question. He has backgrounds with guys like Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick Saban. Uh, yes. We we know those guys value special teams. It's just it's yes. just interesting to me. I I don't I don't understand the approach there. Uh, I, no, I don't either. Uh, and, and but but Trev, I'm I'm really curious. What and you you touch on this. What will the LSU mindset be? Uh, obviously, if Jane Daniels is, is able to play, uh, that that will make the big difference. But boy, this uh, this LSU defense is is depleted. It's hurting. It's the worst third down defense in the conference. Uh, and, and again, uh, LSU now with three losses, uh, unable to reach a lot of their goals. Uh, what? How is that going to affect the way they play on Saturday night? Exactly, that's the concern for LSU. And you know, the thing about Florida is you got a quarterback in Graham Mertz, who you know is going to bring it, 
each and yes. every week. And you do yes. have Bax and Johnson and Etienne, and you do have Pearsall at wide receiver to go along with Wilson and the different ways that you can use him. So, again, it's not all that difficult to envision Florida putting up 30-plus yeah. in this game. Absolutely. And for the family members I have making the trip <laughs> out to Red Stick, I hope that's the case. If nothing else, it should be a very entertaining affair uh, but that explosive play potential that we know LSU has and that LSU showed against Alabama, starting with Jaden Daniels in his legs, uh, could be very problematic for the Gators on the defensive side Saturday night. Also, wrapping up the week in primetime, Mississippi State traveling to Texas A&M. A&M looking to get the bowl eligibility. I'm guessing Aggie supporters Heading into week 11, didn't want to hear that sort of statement No, at this point in the 2023 season, but that's kind of where it is for Jimbo and the Aggies. Uh, Mississippi State coming off a pretty brutal home loss to Kentucky where the offense just wasn't able to do a whole lot. No, no, there's, a, there's some coaching things we need to get into here too. Uh, one is... Uh, I, I do think AM wins this game. I, I just don't see uh, Mississippi State's offense holding up against that that AM front seven. Um, Evan Stewart, uh, I think, is um, for whatever reason he was not able to go last week. Will he will he be back? Uh, and this will certainly help Jimbo Fisher out. Still believe in here that Fisher may be back. Uh, particularly because they play Texas. Trev, the thing I wanted to kind of toss back and forth with you was uh, what, what is with Zach Ornett. Zach Ornett, the Mississippi State coach, has is, is been in, in a very difficult situation, to say the least, and having to replace um, Mike Leach, who is so beloved. He only has a $4.5 million buyout, and there's a lot of questions is, do they let him grow into the job, or is he in over his head? Uh, he made the decision and may be regretting it to ditch the air raid with Will Rogers, who unfortunately has been hurt, um, and Woody Marks has been hurt, the, the incredible running back for State. So I think the big decision here is, and I've heard a lot of this this week, curious if you have too, is well, – what does state do that they've got a they've got a big decision here of do they continue with Arnett and let him get adjusted and get him some help or do they just say uh, Zach you are a tremendous D coordinator but it may be too much right now but that that's not a comfortable place for state officials to be is it Trav? You know I guess my biggest concern that I've taken away from Zach Arnett this season is is he the 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 face of the program that you need at right. a place like Mississippi right. State yes um you need sort of that charismatic program seller energetic um you know those type of things boy you sure. watch some of these in-game interviews and just the demeanor yeah. of Zach Arnett yeah. it's like Sometimes he has the look of, when can I get the heck out of here? Yeah, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just not um, it's not going to make it a, a, an easier sell at a place where it's not easy as it is 
even with the advancements that I've seen firsthand in Starkville and with the university and the facilities, you still got to have sort of that guy at the, at the lead position. So, you know, we can talk X's and O's recruiting, all those things, and they're, they're vital, but it starts with, again, I think at a place like Mississippi state, that sort of figurehead that resonates in a positive way. Yeah. And Zach, a lot yeah. of times just seems put off by, by his situation. So you're right. I think it's a very, very interesting scenario potentially to consider the buyout is right. And it could be one of these deals too. You got some back channeling going on, right? Who might be interested in the job if we do make the switch? Because if you don't kind of have that in your back pocket, or at least feel good about the potential of upgrading, if you make that move right now, uh, I don't know if you're, you're better off. And also for Arnett, the problem is he doesn't have enough cachet as a head coach to make that kind of shift offensively and then struggle with it. You know, there's head coaches that can come in like Mike Leach when he first Mm -hmm. got to state, you know, it was taking it from what we had seen from Joe Moorhead, more pro style, those type of things to the air raid. And there was going to be a time of adjustment. Well, Mike Leach had enough cachet as a head coach that he could keep the the fan base pacified. He could, you know, keep them, he could keep them at, at arm's length until things got more the way he wanted it. You know, that's not something that Zach Arnett benefits from either. And, you know, as far as Jimbo goes, it, it I think Texas A&M is probably in the same boat of, okay, it, if we're going to make a move from Jimbo, who's, who are we yep. getting? I mean, True. are we at Mike Elko? And, yeah. and the thing about the money with coaching changes is it's not just the buyout, it's the buy-in of the yes. next staff. So if it costs yeah. you a hundred million dollars to get out of Jimbo Fisher, is yes. it going to cost you a hundred million to yeah. get into the next staff? And and we are all great at spending Texas A&M's oil yeah. money. I'm, yeah. I'm good at it too, but there is a reality in all mm-hmm. of this, even for a place like Texas A&M. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Trev real quick, this may sound bizarre, but I've heard a little bit of this, uh, of this, this week. Would Dan Mullen go back to state if they make a change? See, if if I know I can do that, if I'm Mississippi State, I'd do it. Yeah, yeah. I'd do that. I, you know, Zach Arnett, you, you feel for him. But uh, if I can go from Zach Arnett back to Dan Mullen, heck yeah. Sign yeah. me up for that, for sure. And that's that's probably a situation where you're going to be able to keep Dan Mullen for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. Yes. There's a comfort level there for sure. With him, so there you go. Seven games for this Saturday, all 14 SEC teams in action. This is the time of year that we live for as fans of college football and the SEC specifically. Anything else, Brent? Before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, Trev, let me let me uh, throw this under listeners a little bit. Uh, Miami comes to Florida State. And my reason for bringing this up is not just for uh, the, uh, the the purposes of, of Florida State possibly going to the playoffs, but but Trav, my thing is, and 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 in uh, transparency for our listeners, both Travis and I live in Northeast Florida, and 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 this used to be uh, uh, in our lifetime 
the uh, uh, the main game of the week. I mean, the main game of the week right now is uh, is either Ole Miss, Georgia, or or Michigan uh, against Penn State. Trev, what in the world does it say about this rivalry in these schools uh, that, that that this game this week has uh, almost been hardly mentioned? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. You know, I thought it was interesting last week that you had the last installment of Bedlam. And you had Oklahoma and OSU for the last time for at least the foreseeable future. And Fox chose Texas, Kansas State. Yeah, Yeah, really. You know, so a lot of things don't seem to make as much sense to me these days. So anyway, good stuff as always, Brent. Always look forward to it and look forward to reviewing as we preview Week 12 in the SEC next week. Yeah, it, it, it will be a every week getting toward that SEC championship game. It, it gets even more important, uh, frankly. So uh, a, a lot of very fascinating results uh, will come out of this week. Trav, always a pleasure, my friend. Take care. Hey, appreciate it, Brent. Appreciate you listening here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice. For fans and followers of the top league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference, thanks to Bill Oakley, our executive producer, and also Belly Up Sports, which hosts the podcast. But you can find us anywhere you subscribe to pods. We're that easy, simple as a click or two, and you will have us right here on Second Helping. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody.